0: Flushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Cup action continues and we're covering it all here on Kicked Back presented by Betway. Caroline here joined by the one and only Julia Rainey. And we're pumped to just get started. We got a lot of games, a lot of players, a lot of moments to talk about on this show. So we're going to kick things off with France versus Jamaica, where, Julia, I, I'm so excited to hear what you mm-hmm. think. So this is what we know for everyone listening, for everyone watching – France were the heavy favorites. Mm -hmm. They're ranked fifth in the world. I personally, like with the way I rank France, I'm like this this team's gonna go really far at this tournament. This was France's first ever scoreless draw at a Women's World Cup. Jamaica was ranked 43rd in the world Mm -hmm. and Jamaica got their first ever point at a Women's World Cup. So there's so many storylines here. Whether you wanna look at it from a French perspective where you're like, what happened? Or the Jamaican perspective where I even was like, Jamaica's going to be this really beautiful, like crazy fun spark in this women's world cup, but held, you know, France accountable in this game mm. big, big time. Yeah. I think personally,
2: the, the first storyline for me that comes to mind is just this idea of the underdog that we're seeing constantly in this tournament, yep. almost every single day. So Jamaica, you know, being ranked 43rd, France being ranked fifth. Now it almost feels like, do rankings matter? That might be a bit of a hot take, but the fact that Jamaica comes in against such a heavyweight team really presses them. I think France maybe underestimated them a little bit. I also have some questions about maybe lineups and players um, you know, who played, maybe players who didn't, but... Ultimately, Jamaica frustrated France. Bunny Shaw was incredible. She's one of the best strikers um, in the women's game, of course. But wow, wow. What a story for them to come in, take a huge point. And this group, who
1: knows what's going to happen now? I love that you mentioned that about rankings because I believe it was Jamaica's national coach who said, hmm. He told his teammates, they told their teammates, you know, don't worry about the rankings. Don't enter the game looking at the rankings, enter the game to play the game that you play. And we saw Jamaica do that. And, you know, Renard, uh, France's manager, R- Renard, he was the mm-hmm. head coach of Saudi Arabia at the Men's World Cup. We spoke about this on our last episode where Saudi Arabia had upset Argentina in their first World Cup match. So... Renard is is, um, a very good coach in the sense where he will prepare his team to the best of his ability. And if there are games that don't necessarily go their way, like he will probably be able to be a manager who has enough experience, especially on this stage, to help this team regroup. However, with this French national team, there's been so much drama leading up to this World Cup that I wonder if, you know, that's probably something that plays into how they play at the world cup you mm-hmm. know Bernard's never coached a female team so i wonder how that's going to play out i don't we've been saying this throughout every single episode julia i never press the emergency button after no. one game no france did yeah france had 12 corners five shots on target they just couldn't capitalize Deany had the most chances uh of any mm-hmm. player on the pitch mm-hmm. you know what i mean it was just one of those games where maybe it was a little bit unlucky but i'm not taking anything away from this Jamaican side, because I do think that they rattled this French national team. And now Renard and company have to really, really regroup. I think they'll certainly be able to regroup. You know,
2: France is a team that has been in these tough situations Renard is obviously a very decorated um, manager. They'll come back. I agree. Some games are just unlucky, and that's the way it is, you know, and that's absolutely okay. But I personally think um, Kenza Dolly should have started. She came in, and I thought she, you know, created some opportunities, added some fresh legs. Um, I watched some clips from the friendlies, and I really liked her. So, I don't know. Maybe she'll get different starts. Maybe France and their federation and their manager are still figuring it out. Albeit, yeah, Diani's performance was incredible. She could have probably got five goals or zero, just depending on how it went, right? So unfortunately, sometimes that happens in this sport. But the federation issues just seem to be all over the place. And I don't think people understand the mental toll that takes.
1: Of course. And, you know, this is where... I think Renard's a great coach. So I'm very curious Mm -hmm. to see what he does. Does he change the lineup a little bit? How is he going to help this team kind of refocus? Because that's going to be very, very important now. That first game's done. It wasn't the end of the world. Each team got a point. However, with the... Weight that is on France's back. They need to start performing, especially with the talent that they have as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm I'm very curious to see what Renard does going into Game Two. How France is going to be able to kind of get past that little bit of a hurdle because you know that that's a little bit of a mental barrier when you yes. have now yeah. this is the first time in your female program's history that you go score. You have a scoreless draw at the Women's World Cup. These are little mm-hmm. hi, little um, you know historical moments that. You don't want to, you always want to be doing it in like your country's and your team's best favor. You don't want to be making history for for the wrong reasons. Right. So we'll see how France regroups. I'm not stressed about them, Uh, but, but I do think that the storyline in this entire game is just Jamaica, what they brought, Bunny Shaw, you mentioned Bunny Shaw. And I, I, I heard that she has an incredible backstory. So Julia, I'd love for you
2: to touch on that. Yeah, Bunny Shaw does have an incredible backstory. Um, first of all, we'll start with her nickname because a lot of people wonder yep. why she's named Bunny. But there's two reasons. Um, one was because as a kid, her favorite snack was carrots and everybody thought that was hilarious. Um, but also she has larger two front teeth. So her siblings would just call her Bunny. It's stuck forever. And I think about two to three years ago she officially asked Manchester City to put Bunny on the back of her kid instead of, you know, her first name or her last name. So I think that's uh, quite funny. And that's her trademark now, you know, but so Bunny Shaw is, of course, from Jamaica. She comes from 13 siblings, just 13 brothers and sisters, and she's the youngest. Um, Now, they grew up in quite a, I guess, troubled, violent area. So it was a little bit of a difficult upbringing for her. And sadly, you know, growing up around all of this violence, um, she did unfortunately lose four brothers, two violence or accidents, as well as two nephews. So I remember during some of the days, you know, Manchester City, lots of articles I've read about her. She was just talking about how there was constant struggle, constant sadness. You know, you'd go out and feel unsafe. And It's really hard to fathom that kind of thing, right? You know, sometimes, though, on the other side of things, on the gender side, she would go out and kick the ball around with her siblings and people would come up to her mother and say, why is your daughter out there? This is a men's game. But no, she thought, I want to play football. I want to get out there. So amidst all of these different struggles and barriers and hardships. I think that's made her both the person and the player she is today. And we certainly saw that out on the pitch. You know, she's aggressive. She doesn't give up. She doesn't take heck from anybody. And she just really wants to make a name for herself and I guess show women that if you want to play soccer, you can. But wow, what a story. It it honestly kind of gives you chills when you, you think about it because you see these players on the pitch and you don't know anything unless you
1: research um, about their lives. And it's really quite something. Well, I'm so glad that you brought that up and that backstory. You know, your heart goes out to bunny Shaw because you wouldn't want anyone to go through anything like that. And you think about the adversity she's gone through, but this entire, we were just talking about it before we hit record on this podcast is that there are so many humanizing stories to these female athletes at this world cup that it's just incredible to know what they've gone through to see where Mm -hmm. they are today and what they've accomplished and their mental toughness and how much of a fighter they are. And you see that on the pitch, like you mentioned, Bunny Shaw, she had a free kick that was a bullet in that game. And, you know, she's just (laughs) such an incredible player, but you you think about the humanizing aspect and what she's gone through in her life and what she's had to go through and what she's had to fight through. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you respect her and cheer for her a million times more. So I'm really really rooting for I'm really rooting for Bunny Shaw. I love the nickname. Oh, I think it's great. probably the coolest nickname in all of mm-hmm. sports. I'm so glad that she put that on the back of her kit because mm-hmm. I think it's so unique and it's so her. And yeah. I I wish her nothing but the best. But one of the most controversial moments from the mm-hmm. game was when she got her second yellow card, mm-hmm. and obviously two yellows result in a red, and she was sent off late in the game against France. I'm going to be honest. I thought this was the biggest bullshit second yellow I've ever seen. I think, I think France sold that very, very well. Um, I, you know, that's the sport of football. We've seen it on the men's side. We've seen it on the women's side. It's a tactic of the game. Mm-hmm. In those moments, the referee needs to be better. We have VAR for a reason. Go check VAR, go look at the replay. Bunny Shaw now is going to have to miss her next game, which is so unfortunate. She did nothing in that moment. Yeah. And I think that this is even a situation where the refs should, you know, go back and look at the call and, and take that yellow away from her. Cause it's so unnecessary Such such an unnecessary moment for not only Bunny Shaw, but Jamaica, cause Jamaica's going to need her. Absolutely.
2: I personally, I mean, I agree. I'm so glad you said that, first of all, because, you know, people can go online and tweet and whatever they want, comment, whatever they want. You know, French fans are loving it. Jamaican fans hate it. But I personally thought it was so harsh and so unfair my heart goes out to her especially considering the fact that a red card is on the line I don't think she should have to go through that you know at the World cup for something that I personally don't think was super warranted um I agree you know Bunny Shaw is a hero for Jamaica, for the Jamaican people and for many other, you know, fans, Manchester Mm -hmm. City fans, women everywhere. Right. So I just think her having to miss the next match is, of course, heartbreaking for her. She's going to have to deal with some, you know, mental stress of not being able to play and what that means. But now also um, Jamaica, like. Bunny is a huge, huge, huge part of this Jamaican team. So I really hope Jamaica can come back the next game and just put themselves out there and I don't know, just make it happen. But that's a huge blow. So they're going to have to figure out how to play without her and what that means.
1: Who do Jamaica play in the next game? Oh, gosh. Let me see. I'll pull it up right here. So they play Panama mm-hmm. up next. So at least it's not Brazil because you'd, want Bunny, Shaw. Yeah, you'd you want, want Bunny shot Yeah, you'd want Bunny Shaw. Brazil. Yes, you absolutely do. And I'm looking at Group F right now. Brazil, France, Jamaica, Panama. hmm Again, I read that Renard's not worried. He says these things happen. He's not feeling the pressure after this first game. France ultimately got a point. He's an experienced, like you said, decorated manager who's Mm -hmm. been there at the biggest stage before. But let's look at it from like our perspective. Yeah. Does France have a chance to not get out of this group stage? Because Jamaica keeps pressing. I mean, after the, and we'll get into Brazil in a second, but after what I saw from Brazil, they're topping this group, like without a doubt, they're topping this group. So should France, like from our perspective, Julia, should they be a little, you know, worried and, and really have to play their A game every single game from here on out? I can't help but agree with that. I think a lot of people
2: didn't expect, well, first of all, Jamaica to to come into this and make such a splash, but right off the bat, that certainly puts pressure on the rest of the teams in the group and they will all be watching it. Same with Brazil. They came out there, made an immediate splash. I know we'll talk about the two, but they were organized. They were classy. Like, teamwork it's similar to sort of i think what we saw with japan to me it was just a lot of teamwork um, a lot of energy coming out there so i think there's some low-key you know alarm bells ringing for for france and in order for them to get out of this group i agree they will have to step it up play their a game every single minute.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, Renard's doing a good job by telling the media yes. that he doesn't feel the pressure. Cause that's his job as a manager is to keep the team calm, cool and collected mm-hmm. and not let them feel the panic, especially from, you know, the French men's team is incredible. The French women's team is incredible. Mm-hmm. These footballing nations might feel the pressure a little bit more. Like I said, kind of similar totally. to England, England on both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. So Renard's doing a very good job of just kind of containing that from a media perspective, from a fan perspective, but when we when we kind of talk about it realistically if France can't bounce back and they don't get it together Jamaica's right there. So does France just to confirm does France play Brazil next? Yes, I believe so. Wow, that's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be a great game. So hold on, let me see cuz I have everything pulled up here. France really Brazil. France Brazil on Saturday.
2: Wow, it's going to be a good game, everyone. Make sure
1: to watch it. That could be very key in deciding who goes to the round of 16 or not. Oh, my goodness. Of course. We can get right into the Brazil versus Panama game. I mean, let's talk about this. This is a very, very cool stat that I saw on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Brazil's 4-0 victory over Panama drew an average of 11.5 million viewers throughout the game, which was TV Globo's biggest target audience since the 2008 Olympic Games. Like, I love... I love the viewership this Women's World Cup's getting. I love the attendance this Women's World Cup is getting. Mm-hmm. And when you think about Brazil, one of probably the most iconic footballing nations on the men's and women's side collectively, mm-hmm. you know people want to tune in because you know what Brazil is known for—known for their chemistry, for their tactics, for their technical ability. They're so silky on the ball. Like mm-hmm. that, Brazil was—it was one of the first teams that made me fall in love with football because these players have fun. They mm-hmm. dance. It's it's a religion to them almost. It's in their blood. The way that they're, they're able to play made me fall in love with the game. So mm-hmm. to see Brazil go out and really take it to Panama, Ari Borges, you know, getting that hat trick in her World Cup debut, uh, it was just incredible to see. And I think that when we talk about the heavy hitters in the World Cup, a lot of these big teams are kind of getting upset. Brazil to me is, you know, one of these teams, and we'll get into Germany later because I feel the same way about Germany. But mm-hmm. Brazil is one of these teams to me that is locked and loaded. I don't have any concern about them
2: nope no concern at all like you said they came out they were fluid they knew exactly where all of their teammates were they knew exactly what they wanted to do going into the match they didn't let anybody stand in their way now of course Ari Borges the hat trick was incredible but I personally think one of her moments of the match was her assist when she used her back heel um to pass the ball back to her teammate I thought first of all So, so smooth. But secondly, how unselfish of her. She could have easily had a fourth goal, um, you know, added to her tally there. I actually think it was before fourth goal. But anyways, she could have easily added to her tally, but she didn't. She, you know, saw the moment, knew her teammate was behind her. And I think everybody just kind of went like collectively, whoa, (laughs) you know, nobody was expecting that. So that was very cool. Um, Yeah, they, they were organized. They were... Smooth And and Marta also coming onto the pitch for her sixth World Cup, greeted to a standing O and cheers just from around the world. That's what football means to these people. That's what Marta, this Brazilian legend, means to people no matter what country you're from. And I just thought that was very cool.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny that you mentioned the word word unselfish because it's exactly what I have in my notes on that third goal mm. for Brazil. That entire build up from the back to find each other for each player on the on the pitch to just pick up their head and look for each other. Every single player on that third goal and in the whole game, but especially yeah. this third goal, because I think it, it's the best sequence sequence build up play that we've seen so far at this World Cup was yeah. completely unselfish and wanted to just get. A a goal. And it's Mm -hmm. so nice to see. And again, you mentioned Japan. That's how I also feel about the way that this Brazilian team was passing the ball. They, you could tell they have a lot of chemistry. You could tell that they're playing for each other. Mm -hmm. And then Borges, that, that back heel pass and then that finish like everything Mm -hmm. about it was perfect I thought Tamirez was was very very good uh, Mm -hmm. on the left side too I just think that we haven't seen a build-up play like this yet at this women's world cup it makes me very excited to see if that was Brazil's first game what they're gonna look like when they get even more rhythm as the world cup goes on but what a dominant team performance from Brazil and Mm -hmm. yeah, Brazil versus France. France is going to have to really buckle up and buckle down because if they don't, this Brazilian team, I could see them putting four goals past like any team at this world cup. Really? Yep. It's certainly possible. I agree. France, they're, they're going to be
2: watching this footage. They're going to kind of be in the holy heck moment. They're going to know what they're going to be up against. But I personally think also Brazil's just going to keep bringing that energy. i Totally feel like maybe they think this is their time to, you know, take it all the way. So it'll be a good, uh, wow, it'll be actually a great match, not just a good one. So we'll see what happens.
1: Well, we talk about one strong nation and we can go into the next one Germany versus Morocco. Man, Germany for me, since I played, Mm and when I was at the U17 World Cup, we did play Germany. And I remember coming out of that game being like, this is one of the most dynamic teams in the entire world. And I felt like they've been dynamic. That's one of the best ways to describe Germany. They're just low-key ruthless. Mm -hmm. And they are so clinical. They have everything they do has intent, power, and precision. And they're they're just one of my favorite teams to watch, least favorite teams to play against. Because (laughs) if you catch them on a good day, they are... It's like relentless. But I love that from them. They're just so powerful. So we saw them you know kind of dismantle Morocco a little bit 6-0 2 own goals from Morocco 4 pure ones from Germany Alexandra Pop just absolutely setting the tone for Germany 2 goals on the night 64 international goals now and I'm sorry but Germany for me is another team up there with Brazil where they can just if, if they continue this consistency because consistency is key throughout the World Cup they can power through any team yep 100% you know I love that you're using the
2: word um, precision that is absolutely to a tee when I was thinking about them as well to come out there immediately within the first few seconds and to make their presence known to say hey you know we've won this world cup before yep. we almost you know basically took it to the euros last year and Alexandra Pop wasn't even there you know she's coming in she's saying hey this is my time I'm gonna win the golden boot she's one of my golden boot picks when i made before the tournament so it's i mean barges hey she's she's got a hat trick so i guess <laughs> you have to but oh my gosh like i just can't overemphasize how powerful a team yeah. like germany is and a player like pop coming out there i mean sometimes you can't even really tell on the tv how powerful and strong these shots and these players are. But, you know, she comes in, she's firing down. I don't know how any keeper can stop some of her shots, quite honestly.
1: Uh, I agree with you. And, you know, like I said with France, sometimes when you can't capitalize on these moments, 12 corners, five shots on target, it's not the end of the world. These things happen. But then when you turn the page and you watch Germany and -hmm. they're capitalizing on a lot of chances, not only capitalizing, but... The shots and the power that they have when they score these goals. Mm-hmm. It just kind of shows you the separation of quality right now. Yeah. You look at that first yeah. game between a France and a Germany. And mm-hmm. if they if France and Germany were to play tomorrow, I'd put my money on Germany without a doubt. Yeah. Presented by presented by Betway. Um, <laughs> so so it's it's just very interesting to see where when in some games these things happen. You look at a Germany where they're able to capitalize, where they're able to convert, where they're doing it with just, again, this low-key they're, they're low-key ruthless about it. Like I'm, mm-hmm. when I strike yeah. this ball, I'm going to strike it with every ounce of power that I have and the precision to get it exactly where I want it. Germany to me was top-notch and maybe one of my favorite teams right now, along with Brazil, to kind of mm-hmm. carry that torch of like, we are, the, we are the top dogs of this tournament and, and we're here to play. Not saying yeah. that an underdog can't do it, no, but no. they have this aura of... We talk about the U.S. women's national team, this aura of when they walk into a stadium, you're like, oh, okay, we're about to play some big time players like Alexandra Pop, don't want to get in her way.
0: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: feel and sense that energy even through the television. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like in person there. Um, But all of these players on Germany, they're strong. They're all powerful. They're all incredible. But what they also did was played like a team. And I think sometimes that's what's separating, you know, some of these teams, they're all great players. They made the world cup for a reason, but the best teams that rise above unite everybody's skills and strengths together and you can certainly see that Germany did that same with Brazil and that's what gives them that special sauce you know
1: I totally agree and you know this was Morocco's World Cup debut uh, the first Arab country to qualify for the World Cup. You got to give them kudos because it's not mm-hmm. easy again to go it's like when we talk about Vietnam it's not easy to go out there and take on the US. It's not an easy feat for Morocco to go out there and take on no. this German national team. So you got to give Morocco big props for for what they've accomplished by just arriving at this women's World Cup and what they're going to do for a lot of women, you know, from from where they come from, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just a massive Storyline. But one thing I'll say about them is I thought I wish it was a little cleaner from them in the back. Mm -hmm. Like, I do think that they were very sloppy out of the back. A lot of the goals could have been avoided. The couple own goals, you know, in the first 10 minutes of the game when Alexandra Pop got her first goal, it was just sloppy passes out of the back. And then the very start of the second half, you know, it's the same story. And it's just unfortunate when yeah you know it's mm-hmm. just unfortunate when you give a country and a team like germany this silver platter almost to to now really dictate the pace and control of the game from the first 10 minutes of the game or from the first minute of the second half right like you really want to try and eliminate that with that being said you know i i i thought morocco would be a little bit more of a threat in terms of the fact that they did go to the finals of the African cup of nations, I believe against yes. South Africa where they yes. lost. So I was like holding them to, to a high standard in the sense that, you know, they're here, they can compete. South Africa is a good team. We saw that, you know, they gave sweet in a tough game. So I do think maybe Morocco has a little bit more to show, but the way yeah. the game started, the way that second half started, they kind of, it was tough for them to, get back into it with with the way that everything played out. Yeah. And I think we've talked about mentality a few times
2: before, um, you know, on this podcast, but I sometimes wonder if like the moment just got to them. They're playing Germany. They <laughs> I mean, pop comes in right away, gets the goals. I mean, I, they could have been nervous. They could have been stressed out. They're not, maybe not used to playing. I'm not entirely sure, but I don't know if they've been used to playing in such massive stadiums before. Like it's like certainly massive stadiums, but on this type of world stage. Yes. Right. So there's, there's like a difference between the atmosphere of the world cup between playing bigger teams, um, generally, right. A lot more pressure coming in one of the eight teams making their world cup debut. But I think they have more to give. Absolutely. I just think the moment got to them and it wasn't their best. Yeah. Their best effort.
1: It happens again. I I was reading a lot of feedback from Moroccan fans and they're just so proud of their women's team for accomplishing such a big achievement by being there. And you think about what the men's team did at the men's world cup and now what the women's team is doing, the, the general, Idea and picture of football for Morocco and mm-hmm. what it's doing for Africa and what it's doing for Arab countries and Arab mm-hmm. girls. Uh, it's it's very important, and I'm just proud, you know, to mm-hmm. see these Moroccan girls go out there and give it their best. And it wasn't the best result, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're playing Germany. They're playing one of the top exactly. footballing nations in the world. So I, I respect the hustle, and yep. I respect that they finished the game, you know, the best that they could. I agree. And I think for them, it's not
2: necessarily about obviously this such a hard loss, the two own goals. That's so unfortunate. Like my heart goes out to them for sure, because that's got to feel horrible um, on that team. But I don't think. That loss was really the most important thing of this game in the sense of, you know, they were the underdogs going in. But just this idea of inspiration, of making history for their country, for their nation, for their heritage. That's what's important. And that's what these big tournaments are all about as well. In addition to, you know, wanting to play well and do your country proud um, at the World Cup. But I personally think the other storylines are essentially just as important. And maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. Everyone's going to come at me for
1: that, but I think it's so important to see history being made. Yes. And you made a video about this. So I want you to talk about this, but there was history made in this game. And I think you know what I'm alluding to. So go ahead, take it away, Julia.
2: For sure. So Nualia um, Benzina, she's such an incredible Moroccan defender. She's 25 years old. Now she didn't end up playing um, in the match, but she was the first player to wear a hijab at the Women's World Cup. And that is huge. That is a watershed moment for progression, for inclusion, Mm -hmm. for diversity. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but... You know, hijabs weren't actually allowed in the women's game not too long ago. So we can really see how things are growing and progressing over time. And I saw a lot of tweets about this. It's bravery. It's a moment for the future. It's a moment where young girls, you know, in these Arabian African countries can say, "Okay, I can do that, too. I see myself on the TV now. And that is essential visibility we talk about that a lot you know visibility is essential and you know I also want to be cognizant of the fact that she deserves to be on this Moroccan team she's an incredible player so I don't want the hijab to take sort of center stage here and sort of underemphasize the fact that she is a great player however her going out there that is a huge watershed moment and I am really excited. And hopefully we can see more, more players like that in the future, because it, I just think it was outstanding.
1: I completely agree with you. And this is what I meant in the sense that Morocco may have not gotten the gold, may have not gotten the result, may have lost six nil, but mm-hmm. it means a lot for the young women and the young girls from yeah. these countries who will look at someone like, sorry, her name Benzina yes. and say, this is me. I can do this. This is how I identify. And she's playing at the World Cup. And that's my biggest dream. And I can too. It changes the landscape. And it makes me Mm -hmm. emotional to think about because... The women's game has come very far, but it still has a long way to go. But these little moments are very, very important. And I just think that this is a very special World Cup. I don't know why I'm starting to cry. (laughs) this This is a very special World Cup because there's a lot of humanizing stories. It just almost goes beyond football. You know what I mean? We are watching football and it's an entertaining tournament and it's the biggest tournament in the entire world. And we love it. But there are so many unbelievable women here with unbelievable stories that make this more than just the sport you know what i mean exactly and i think this is
2: also one of the reasons why i love that the fifa expanded this tournament to include 38 teams because now we get to see more of these teams these nations and highlight these wonderful players who have incredible stories um on the world stage and i just it's it's so cool and again You know when all said and it's all said and done at the end of the tournament we have who won the world cup the golden boo the golden ball everything what are people going to remember months down the road it's these watershed moments i think of course everybody will go down in history all the players who win the awards who win the world cup that's huge i'm not downplaying that but it's these humanizing moments that touch people's hearts inspires the next generation makes people watch more women's football that's what's important And it just I have like chills, too, because it just feels like this is a huge turning point for the sport, for women, for the industry, for everyone.
1: Yeah, it inspires change. It's going to inspire change from a football perspective and a global perspective. And, you know, we, we wrap up the conversation of, yes, it was a very dominant, clinical, strong performance by Germany, but also a very proud moment for Morocco. So uh, I'm very excited to see how they play in their next few games. Maybe they bounce back. It was a tough first game for them in their first world cup, you know, Mm -hmm. game ever, right. You're taking on the best team. So it's, it's a lot for them to kind of process, but nonetheless, a very proud moment. And like I said, a lot of Moroccan fans were nothing but proud. And I love to see that. I love to see that support, you know, that the men's team got that the women's team are now getting, even though the result may have not been. There.
2: Exactly. Completely agree. And I really hope they're going to tuck this one away, move on to the next, and just continue to make each other and their country proud. Okay.
1: I agree. Now let's move on Colombia versus South Korea. Yes. I'm going to be straight up. Uh, <laughs> so Colombia won 2 0. I was very disappointed with South Korea. I thought that they mm-hmm. were going to take this. And, mm-hmm. and that's no disrespect to Colombia. Uh, I totally underestimated Colombia. Mm-hmm. But I thought Colombia handled their business in terms of physicality, the tactics. You know, they're always a technical team. And I just now think that Colombia is a team that's going to absolutely get out of this group. And South Korea was the whole game, South Korea was out of control, and Colombia was completely in it. Yep, I
2: agree. I'm, I'm the similar with you. Um, same with you. I thought South Korea was going to take this one as well. Um, totally. I think so many people underestimated Colombia. I was impressed, actually, like with their speed. Um, I thought their footwork and their dribbling ability mm-hmm. was actually pretty good. It was a lot um, different than what i had expected, albeit I haven't seen many clips from Columbia, I'm quite yeah. honest. So I didn't know as much from my perspective what to come into this um, with. But incredible storylines on this team too i was impressed by how they held themselves on the pitch as well they came in with some confidence they came in wanting to play their game and i agree they were a lot more technical than what i thought and south korea was at the moment was it were they maybe not expecting to have Colombia come out like this yeah. i'm not sure but again one of these teams that i think they struggle a bit defensively their compactness wasn't there for me so we'll
1: see We talk about storylines and throughout this whole podcast, even just very Mm -hmm. humanizing, touching stories. Columbia has an 18 year old Linda Casado, who at the age of 15. So three years ago was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, which uh, again, as a woman, I just can't imagine. And you think about the fact that she's a, at that point, a girl still, and she's dealing with that. And at that point in time, she had already played for the Colombian women's national team. So she would have to take a break from football and obviously go into treatment, go into recovery. I'm getting really emotional on this episode of kicked back because I just think these women are so incredible. So she takes some time off. She mentioned, you know, to media that she never thought she would come back after her, her surgery after treatment, she didn't think she'd make it back into football. But she said her Colombian national coach was instrumental in giving her strength because he really believed that she would come back. Mm-hmm. And... Three years later, she's cancer-free. She's 18 years old. She's playing for Real Madrid. She played in three World Cups this year. In a single year, she played in three separate World Cups and scored three separate goals in each of those World Cups, which is unbelievable. It makes her the first player to ever do that. And she scored her first goal of the women's world cup on a senior level today against South Korea. So, you know, which I believe now makes her the second youngest South American to do that mm-hmm. in, at the women's world cup behind Marta, who was 17 mm-hmm. years old when she did it. Mm-hmm. But what an incredible world cup debut mm-hmm. from Casado. What an incredible story. What a fighter, you know, to, to think that she went through that at the age of 15 and came back and, you know, is living her dream and not only living her dream, but she's such an exceptional player with such an exceptional mindset and, and this unbelievable story that inspires, I'm sure, so many girls yeah. who may be fighting with an illness or, you know, just may hear that and say, wow, today I now have the strength to do something I didn't think I could do. And I just, again, the storylines of this World Cup go beyond football for me. I, it's at the point where I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we saw a 6 0 win and that's huge but I'm more interested in the Linda Casado story and you yeah. know hearing about a woman wearing a hijab for the first time at the Women's World Cup it's just such important messages that we're getting and yeah, Casado really delivered that for me today. I got really emotional when I read her story. Mm-hmm. Caroline, you absolutely summed it up there. I'm almost
2: speechless listening to you, to be honest. And it is, oh, wow. What a fearless, fearless young woman. What an incredible young woman. And I agree about her inspiring, not just her teammates, but young women everywhere or or older women, because I don't know if people know this, but ovarian cancer is Extremely rare to have when you're that young. Um, it's most often found above age fifty. So that would have been such a shock for her. Obviously, any cancer diagnosis is completely horrible, heartbreaking. But it's an attest to passion, to drive, to not being willing to give up. And I also feel like I gotta like control myself. You know, yeah, to just cry because. I don't, again, it's, I mean, I know podcasts are for talking, but I almost feel speechless trying to understand what this woman has yeah. gone through and now what she's representing for everyone of any age, anyone can yeah. connect with it. And for her to go out there at age 18, Yeah, I'm like, I'm, she is like my hero.
1: Yeah, I agree. She's
2: the hero that the world needs to have. And I I feel privileged that I got to walk her or watch her, sorry, go out there today, walk onto the pitch and do her thing.
1: I guess, you know, and uh, I I think maybe the the way we feel about this is because we are women and we understand uh, how, how, terrifying being diagnosed with ovarian cancer could be because it's one of the worst types of cancers (laughs) to have as a woman. You mentioned how extremely rare it is, but it's also extremely dangerous. So I can't imagine what that diagnosis must feel like at the, at any age, but let no. alone as, as, no. as a 15 year old, where you're supposed to be out in the world, having fun, you know, mm-hmm. and embracing every national game that you're having with Colombia, and just really working on your craft and having fun playing football. And, you know, life dealt her, a very unfortunate, tough lesson, but look at the way she dealt with it and Mm -hmm. handled it and persevered and fought. Like she's the definition of a fighter. Yes. And I just think her story, I really wanted to get out there because it can give a lot of young boys and girls, older boys and girls, men and women hope that Mm -hmm. you can get to your dreams and you can beat, you can beat the odds. So I, I'm just I'm really rooting for her. I'm really rooting for Colombia because I was impressed by them. I completely underestimated Colombia. I'm with you, Julia. I hadn't seen them play in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I think I just maybe expected more from South Korea. And while they left me disappointed, Colombia impressed me, you know, so so much. So I think that Germany will top this group, and I think Colombia's is coming out a strong second. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how the rest of their tournament goes.
2: Yeah, I would love Columbia to come out second. I just think for football, of course, but also the storyline of that. And they're a team that I think deserves it. And I love to see teams that go out there, give it their all, are classy, compact, getting getting the results out there. Um, and again, I think I've mentioned mentality about 100 times, but they have the fighting mentality and that will take you a long way.
1: Yep. I absolutely agree. Okay. Last conversation before we jump off this podcast, I really want to talk about Philippines versus New Zealand, which we saw oh, man. earlier today, our time, uh, massive upset. You want to talk about, you know, these underdogs and, you know, uh, world cup debutants. This is Philippines right now taking on the football ferns, where yep. New Zealand went into this heavy favorites. Fans act as a 12th man. You know, they handled their business in the in their first game of the World Cup. And, and I was very impressed by New Zealand. But here comes Serena Bolden scoring the first goal for the Philippines in World Cup history in their first World Cup match ever, and upsetting the Football Ferns 1-0. Now that People who didn't watch this game, it deserves some context. You know, uh, Jackie Hand on New Zealand hit a, hit the post, which was very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. She did end up scoring like moments later, but the goal was called offside. It was a very tight tight, tight, tight offside. I want to emphasize that like VAR officials, I wouldn't want to be them in that situation. Mm I wouldn't want to be the referee in that situation, but full credit goes to the Philippines for holding off New Zealand, especially at home at the world cup and delivering not only their first world cup goal, but their first world cup win in their world cup debut. I mean, like it's crazy. Mm -hmm. you, You can't write it any better. No, that's a statement
2: coming out. And there's obviously been plenty of statements made this tournament. But wow, I think like you said... Many, many people thought New Zealand was going to come out there, especially after they had that incredible upset, you know, their first match on day one of the tournament. So this group to me, the storyline is upset on upset. And who's going to win? Who's going to
1: get through now? Where do you think um, this group's going to end up? Yes, I need to pull up because I have so many groups in my head. So now we have the way that group A looks. Switzerland's leading with four Mm -hmm. points. New Zealand is in second with three. Actually tied with... The Philippines, it's just, um, it might come down to gold differential. Mm. So we'll see what happens there. New Zealand really has to buckle up. And Norway, crazy enough, is in last place. Wow. So from, a, from a Euro perspective where they got bounced a little bit. They're hoping to come back into the World Cup and and prove the narrative wrong. And here they are at the bottom of the group. So I think a lot of these, I can, f- I feel this way about many of the groups. It can go in so many different directions mm-hmm. just depending on what these teams do in like their second, their second game. Really, I feel like the next round of games we're going to be watching has so much importance. Oh, it has the world of difference. And I almost love
2: this idea now that we're going into these matches well for certain matches of course not really knowing now what's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting thing to
1: have and I'm really excited. I am too. I'm so I'm so excited to see like I would love for New Zealand and Australia to, to keep going through because I want the attendance to be there the way that it really? has been because New Zealand fans and Australia fans have really shown up for this world cup. And I, I love to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, now it's getting interesting. Now it's getting really interesting. It really is. I didn't have Philippines winning this game at all. I didn't either. And they came out there
2: and really impressed me too. I was very shocked watching this and I love being pleasantly surprised. Yes. Um, that so i don't know i'm trying to think in my head too who's gonna come through and i agree it would be nice to have the the co-hosts the hometowns yeah Um, but that is actually something though for philippines to come in take on new zealand co-hosts home you know soil advantage and to get through that energy and the energy that new zealand was also bringing into this match too so major kudos to them
1: yeah and I just want to give a quick shout out to Olivia McDaniel which was the Philippines goalkeeper she came up with like a few really clutch saves but there was one in extra time that she denied the football ferns of which could have obviously equalized that game which could have changed everything and she came up big got player of the match and I think that these goalkeepers deserve an episode of their own because they've just been making really big time saves whether it's on a penalty whether it's in the dying moments of a game they've managed to come up big so yeah she deserve some credit and a crazy moment for the philippines i was watching so many clips on twitter of their fans back home just freaking out like this is such a massive massive moment for them and it, it's exciting to see because maybe the next time we watch the women's world cup these quote-unquote underdogs are not such underdogs anymore, right? Like they've made a yeah. name for themselves at this world cup. So I'm excited. Obviously it's still very early. So we, we have to see how everything plays out, but come the next world cup, we might not be saying that Haiti is an easy team. You know, yeah, we, I agree. we. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, we might be really rating Columbia very high. It's just so interesting what this world cup's teaching us in terms of the quote unquote underdogs and maybe what these powerhouses, how they have to level up, like they've leveled mm-hmm. up to be the powerhouse, but how they have to keep growing to, to stay competitive. Yeah, I would
2: be very interested to see how in a little bit after this World Cup, what the transfer market is going to be like for women's football, because I think some of these players now are getting seen and recognized from potentially some other clubs, some other leagues from around the world. So I think it'll be very interesting to see maybe where some of these players on underdog teams go, how they develop over time, um, not just in the club field, but also, you know, internationally too. four years it's a long time, but it's also not. And I do think the next tournament will be very different from this one. And it's because of these vital moments we're having. I
1: totally agree with you. When's the next time your your England team plays? They play Friday, Friday. I think. Wow. Okay. Denmark. Denmark. That's my, th- that's my World Cup dark horse. So I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I think that will be a very telling game. I'm very excited. A nice 2.30 a.m. wake up call for me, which I will definitely be up for. So I'm just going to start mentally <laughs> yes. mentally preparing for that. But also quickly before we hop off tomorrow are the games we have been waiting for. Canada versus the Republic of Ireland, which is like, I don't think people understand how much I've been waiting for this game. Like I keep going by every time. I'm like, why are there so many days in between? I'm like, I want to see Canada take on Ireland. Um, So I'm so excited to see one, how Ireland comes out after that Mm. crazy game against Australia. And then two, how Canada regroups from their game against Nigeria. And I also think Netherlands versus the U S is going to be really good. So I'm, I'm pumped for that tomorrow. So those are a couple games. And of course, Spain and Zambia, We'll see if Zambia can bounce back from their last game and if Spain can build on their last performance. So lots of good games to watch out for for tomorrow. And we'll obviously be covering everything here on Kickback presented by Betway. But Julia, thanks for making me cry today. It was a pleasure. No problem. (laughs) Sometimes crying is therapeutic, you know? (laughs) It It is. Well, for everyone listening who can't see, yeah, we did get emotional today, but... Yeah, it's just, we, everything we said on the on the podcast. We we've already mentioned it. I think as women, mm-hmm. you know, we re- we we. It's been yeah it, a relatable. You know, just we're so proud of these women. That's what it is. Yeah. We're so proud. And we just want to, Julia, I know for sure, what, and her coverage and how amazing she is covering the women's game and, and me playing it. We just want to see this game continue to grow and these stories to continue to be told and, you know, just oh see my this. God. That's and that's this grow. Yeah, see it all grow. So uh, for any ladies watching, I hope I you guys feel too. the same way. Yes. And and for all the guys watching, thank you. And then listening, thank you for always supporting. and the women's world cup this is one of the best world cups i've tuned into with some of the best storylines and best upsets so i'm here for all of it and i can't wait to see what happens next
2: yes oh my gosh yeah stay tuned everyone because while we've had amazing things so far it really is still the beginning stages oh, yeah. so who knows who knows it's uh it's it's very cool though i think these human stories are amazing and it's really bringing women's football to the world's attention and that's important
1: I love it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll be back, I'm sure, in a couple of days with another episode of Kickback presented by Betway covering the Women's World Cup. Thanks, everyone.